Witness, an open profession of one's religious faith through words or actions. Midterm elections just passed, and with it came a storm of crazy statements and extreme judgment through Instagram, Facebook, and the like. This week, we're talking about a Christian's witness. That is, our behaviors and our mannerisms and how they affect those around us, especially online. We're so quick to cast judgment, but how quick are we to cast love the way Jesus called us to do? This is The Reckless Pursuit, a podcast crafted and created to dive deep into what it looks like to be a follower of Christ in a modern day world. We span topics across the board to seek out truth and to gain a deeper understanding of one another, to find common ground and answers to life's hardest questions. We all have a story and a struggle, a calling and a conviction. Together, let's take a hard look at ourselves and effort to view what others see so we can be the best reflection of Christ possible. I'm Cody. And I'm Elaine. Now, let's get reckless. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 38. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, behavior of Christians online post and pre-election uh, season. So unless you have been living under a rock, and even still then, you probably know that uh, last week was the midterm elections. And so, yeah, it's been two years since other elections. Here they were again. You've probably heard about it. You've probably got phone calls about it. I'm sure you've seen TV ads about it, radio ads about it. Uh, if you're like Elaine, you even get... Uh, like text Weird messages text messages. I don't know who has my number like that. So, yeah. But it's been everywhere. And there was some behaviors on the internet by people who are uh, claiming to be Christian. I'm not doubting their Christianity or anything like that, but they, they are self-proclaimed Christians, uh, some of them in leadership, in churches, etc. That, you know, just some things that didn't sit too well on my heart. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit today, because why not? But before we get into that, a quick reminder that if you enjoy this show, go up there and hit that subscribe button. Keep in contact. Uh, that way you'll know every single time a new episode drops. Also, we have a Facebook community where you can keep the conversation going. And the link for that is in the show notes below. So go click that, request to join, and we will add you. But without further ado, let's dive right into today's topic. So I was browsing through Facebook, uh, the day of the election, all around the elections, etc., etc. There's just been a few things that I've seen that have really got under my skin. Um... Just a few things that I, people don't mean negative about them, but just just sharing some, I guess they'd be like those like text box. Like they're not really memes. It's like a box with texts and like a background to make a statement. And uh, someone had shared one online that had basically, in essence, said, "If you are um, voting for Democrats, they for like Democratic candidate." They support abortion, and you can't be a Christian and support 
anyone who supports abortion. Uh, in essence, they were saying, you're not a true Christian if you vote Democrat. And that struck me a bit odd, especially because this person is, um, you know, uh, in a position of authority in a church, a very high position of authority in a church. And, uh, and he's not the only one. I have seen numerous posts about this, about how vote right, vote red, vote Republican, or vice versa. Uh, it goes both ways. But there was just been election season in general brings out the ugliest of ugly in people. And I want to talk a little bit today about politics um, and church. We've done that before. We had a whole episode on politics and church. But I want to follow up with just some personal opinions and how it relates to our behavior online. So before I kind of go on my rant, Elaine, do you have anything you want to say about this topic? I mean, I how much you love it. No, I hate politics. This is one of the biggest reasons, which I actually had stated in our original episode with uh, Brian, that we talked about um, church and just voting season and politics and all that stuff. But like, I don't like politics. I don't like talking about politics um, because people tend to make it more about personal attacks and mm. getting their opinion, their vote, their voice across and not allowing any room for debate or any room for understanding other people's sides, um, whether that's a Democrat or Republican, liberal or conservative. You know, it just kind of, people just start attacking people and they don't really get to the whole heart of the issue um, a lot of issues, we want the same outcome, kind of like gun control. Some people are for it, some people aren't. You know, we all come to the conclusion of like, we don't want people to shoot up schools. We don't want there to be shootings at concerts and all this stuff. It's devastating. But people have different opinions and viewpoints of how to get to that. But a lot of times people don't like to meet in the middle of the road. And understand other people's sides. And I guess that's where I would rather just not get involved at all. Um, just because I, for one, never want to come across as I'm attacking someone for believing differently. But also, I don't like feeling attacked for feel for believing differently than somebody else. And I see so many Twitter wars and keyboard warriors and Facebook slasher like posts about other people. And I just think that that, especially as Christians, we should be above that. Yeah, so here's, and like I said, I'm not trying to get into talking about politics and religion necessarily. This is more about like Christians' attitudes online, specifically with things they're passionate about. We've already done, like, like Elaine said, a good job of covering politics and uh, Christianity for the time being uh, in the episode with Brian. And uh, I'll link to that in the show notes, too, just if you want to go back and listen to that episode. But uh, I just think that it's interesting that people go and make blanket statements like, if you vote for a baby-killing Democrat, then you cannot be a Christian or are not a Christian. So basically, in essence, you are saying, A, every Democrat kills babies. You were saying uh, point number two uh, that 
you are not a Christian if you are a Democrat. And point number three of if you think you're a Christian and you're a Democrat, let me make sure you realize that you basically lost your ticket to heaven. And it's that's a very maybe even a bit exaggerated um, explanation of what this what was saying, but it's not that far from what was being conveyed. And so there's a lot of issues here. <laughs> there's a lot of issues here, but the biggest one is for well, one of the biggest ones is a lot of times uh, we view uh, right and wrong on this linear scale. And there is right, there is wrong, but when it comes to politics, there's good and bad on every different political agenda. To sit here and think that Republicans are the Christian group is highly, highly wrong. To think Democrats are all bad, Satanist, baby-killing, you know, devil worshippers is extremely, like, extremely inappropriate. The truth is, um, conservatives, or I guess let, let's just use Republicans, a lot of times use key topics to push to gain Christian votes. And it's just as manipulative as, uh, let's say, the Democratic side using, you know, personal, I guess, like trying to reach out to lesser, uh, less fortunate people as their political posts. It's all about getting into power and using other people's situations, I think, to get there. Interesting thing to me is if we're talking on like big ticket items, things like abortion, well, whenever Roe versus Wade was before the Supreme Court, there were four, let's see, how many are there? Nine total, right? Um, there were five Democrats and four Republicans in office, but seven of the appoint or yeah, seven of the appointed Supreme Court justices were appointed by Republican presidents. And then four or three of the four Republican Supreme Court justices voted in favor of Roe versus Wade to allow abortion. Um two did not. Seven total votes were for it and two were against one Republican, one Democrat. So in reality, the Republicans were just as much at fault, if not more at fault, for the existence of abortion in the United States than the Democratic Party was. Now, I'm not sitting here saying um, what I am politically. Uh, I'm not registered. <laughs> you know, I'm registered independent. I kind of feel like I sit on the fence on a lot of issues, and I like to feel out every candidate as an option on a personal level. But what I'm saying here is to blanket statement and this goes both ways. You know, the Democratic Party does it against the Republicans too. People who are Democrat look at it just the same as people who are Republican. Like, they both do this, so this isn't me bashing Republicans or anything like that. But I was really tired of hearing vote right, vote right, vote Republican because there's bad in both parties. And a lot of times each party looks at the other as the enemy, but the truth is they both feel like they're trying to get the same result. They both want the same end outcome. The people themselves. You could argue that the political leaders want this, want that. I don't care what you think Hillary wants, what you think Obama wanted, what you think Trump wanted. I don't. That's not what I'm trying to get at. What I'm saying is the people, the heart of it. 
the actual individual people that vote these things, you and me, unless Trump or Obama is listening to this podcast, which, I mean, hey, cool, like, listen up, bro. But, uh, the normal people, like you and I, we all want the same thing. The Democratic side typically wants more gun control. The, uh, the Republican side typically wants less, but we all want less gun violence, like Elaine was just saying. Um, one wants to end abortion, but is less keen on helping those who are less fortunate. One wants to leave abortion in place, but try to help um, pregnant women who are in dire situations more, both to get the same outcome of having less abortions, to sit here in one side argue we need to to end abortion but we don't want to help women who are in situations uh, where they need help and then the other side to argue well we need to leave it but need to help more they both want the same outcome to have less abortions and you can understand i hope that as a christian it's easy to fall in either of those camps because both are kind of right and kind of wrong but to blanket statement and say one is completely wrong and the other is completely right is just utter bull. I mean, it's just the biggest load of crap because every single um, division of the political system is not perfect. None of them have it right. And it is true that, uh, in my opinion, a lot of times the more and I understand like Christians are drawn to conservatism and so henceforth drawn to Republicans or to be Republicans. But just keep in mind here that they're using that title to boost so many polit uh, politicians use the Republican pulpit uh, as a way to get into the eyes and ears of the church. And the truth is it's just a political scheme to get votes from the grassroots Christian movement. So all that to say, how does that relate to Facebook and uh, social media? You know, there's been some other posts thrown around that aren't political. Um, I had a friend post something about abortion. It's about, well, these are about abortion. I'm sure in at some way it falls back to politics right now, but it was talking about how it was like this preacher's quote, and it was like, whether you agree with it or not, abortion is sin, and people need to wake up and quit sugarcoating the topics, basically what it was saying. Okay, sure, from a Christian's point of view, abortion is sin. But what is our attitude conveying? That's what I want to try to get to the root of here. What is our heart message conveying? Are we conveying hate and anger, or are we conveying love? Because I can only imagine being a woman in the position of actually considering aborting her child and seeing something like that, or who had just aborted her child, how quickly could we push someone away from the love of Christ because of our scolding, because of our anger and our malice toward them? Instead of being open and receptive, we take the Bible and backhand them with it on a daily basis. Instead of opening it up and pouring out the love that Jesus crafted in his words, we close it up, wrap it up like a newspaper, and swat people like a dog who's disobeying. And I think we've just we've got this all backwards when it comes to showing love. And that's why I say this isn't necessarily a political episode. This is talking about our attitudes 
and it's so easy to convey ourselves one way online. You can be a loving person. You can care about people. Um, and you can have strong convictions about what is and isn't sin. But someone else may not be living the same lifestyle as you. You can't just project your standards onto someone else and expect them follow it. You have to love them into a place of, you know, of repentance. You have to love someone into a place of understanding and to sit there and wave the abortion flag or, you know, the Bible like some kind of uh, whip at someone is never going to convey love. You know, that is not how you're going to stop abortion by screaming at people saying it's sin, by screaming at people who are voting for politicians who support it. You know, just like they are voting for those politicians because they're in favor of helping young pregnant women instead of just ending abortion. They see that they don't think it's going to help. So we all want the same outcome. And I think we've got to eliminate these barriers we put in our brains and open up our minds and our hearts to other people's perspectives and realize that no political party, no specific way has the perfect answer. We have got to be willing to uh, love like Christ for one. Christ has the, has the right answer, but we're too busy putting our politics and our opinions uh, above our Savior. And I think that's the big one that I really want to convey here. And I think a lot of people um, misuse scripture. Yep. And, you know, like using fear-mongering tactics to getting people in the church is not the way that Jesus got people to follow God. You know, Jesus hung out with the, quote, bad people. Jesus hung out with the different people. Jesus hung out with the, quote, sinners and, like, had a relationship with them. He didn't shun them away. He didn't, you know, tell them, if you don't do this, blah, 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 you know, then you're going to hell. And then just like, that's the end of the conversation and walked away. He built relationships with these people and explained like who God is and the amazing things about God and how he just wants, to, how God wants to have a relationship with you and stuff. And I feel like that's where we as Christians get it wrong is that we use fear tactics to get people in the church and we use fear to get people to believe in God. But I feel like if you are only following God because you're afraid of going to hell, I don't think that that's the way that God intended for that to be. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to think about like the story of uh, the prostitute and, you know, all the men are basically wanting to stone this woman to death. Jesus comes, writes something in the sand, um, looks at all of them, draws a line, basically, and says, listen, uh, whoever among you is perfect and sinless, cast the first stone. And literally every one of them, one by one, turned and walked away. And Jesus said, now you as well go and sin no more, right? Like, he didn't go in with this destructive mentality of be like, you deserve to be pelted with every one of these rocks. No, he's like, you know what? Every single person here uh, is deserving of love because every single person here is guilty of the same sins. And 
yes, there was the go and sin no more part. There was the the correction, but it was done in love. And so much time, like, we look at correction, like, oh, I need, like, we view this, like, we are entitled to correct. Like, we are entitled to to correct someone. And the truth is, it's kind of like whenever you hear someone say, like, I led someone to the Lord. No, no, you didn't lead someone to salvation. You may have uh, allowed the path to be paved. You know, you may have helped, but you didn't save anyone. You know, you can lead someone to Christ. Yeah, you know, it's just, it's weird wording, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I've heard people say, like, oh, yeah, I saved, you know, you hear, like, mission trips. Like, we saved this many people. No, you didn't do anything. You know, you saved no one. Yeah, that would be God. And so it's kind of the same thing as, like, we all share the same burden of sin, and yet we're so quick to cast stones. And uh, I just think it interesting, the story of, like, you know, Jesus going up to, like, the worst of the worst, supposedly, where this town wants to shun them, and instead of chastisement, instead of beating her into shape, he basically says, you know what? We're all, everyone here is guilty. Uh, and the one here who basically has the right chooses love over attack. And a lot of times I think um, Christians see the opportunity of correction kind of like buying a piece of property with an old worn down house, right? They go in there with a, uh, a hammer and, you know, a sledgehammer and a bulldozer, and they tear the house all the way to the ground, rip up the foundation to plant what they want there in the hearts of people. And what we do is instead of making Christians, we make slaves. And we end up making people into, like, robots who have no personality except just to do exactly as they're told to, to conform to a certain language and standard and or to conform to a certain language a certain behavior, and they just lose their uniqueness. And I think Jesus sees the old house on the piece of property, and he thinks, man, how beautiful that was whenever it was first created. Let's get in there. Let's clean the floors. Let's dust the ceiling. Give it some new paint. Breathe life into it. Light the fire in that furnace again. You know, blow the cobwebs out of the vents. And let's just breathe life back into this old creaky house and restore it to the beauty that it holds and that's the attitude of a christian should be to take some when someone comes along who is downtrod who is beat down who is uh just a a person who does not have that fire in them is to go and rekindle that in them and how do you do that it's by love it's by the affection of christ it's not about taking the bible and beating them with it it's about taking the the pages and use them as kindling right so like weird visualization for you but like instead of rolling the bible up like a, a swatter how about take the pages and use it as fire starter you know like oh he's talking about burning bibles like chill slow your roll what i'm saying is the words in that are fire to our bones and not whenever they're thrown like darts fire can uh Visually, it can bring life, it can bring warmth, it can bring um, safety, uh, it, but it can also bring hurt. 
And whenever you take fire and you throw it like darts just to burn someone, that does nothing. But whenever you take it to kindle a warmth and a comfort, that does everything. And online especially, we've got to remember, other people are not the enemy, okay? Girls trying to ha- uh, who have had an abortion or who are thinking about having an abortion are not the enemy. Most of the time, they just don't feel another option. If they wanted the child, they would keep it. Yes, there are situations with people who abuse that privilege. Sure, they abuse, abuse, abuse that. But a lot, the majority of women who are looking at having an abortion feel that there's no other option. They've either made a mistake and they don't know how to fix it. They don't have the finances. They don't have the income. They don't have something they need. And we're not, uh, instead of bashing them, for having the thoughts, why don't we try to help them out of it? You know, if you were watching someone in the mud, would you yell at them and say, hey, you idiot, you fell in the mud? Or would you try to reach a hand and help pull them out, right? Like, what would Jesus do? I feel like he would get down on the level, write something in the sand, and turn away the accusers. I think a big thing that as Christians especially that we need to learn is humility. Yeah. And like you were saying, casting stones and stuff, you know, I'm sure there are several pastors who have condemned women and bashed women for having an abortion while they were cheating on their wives. Or they have a gambling problem or a drinking problem or what have you. But whenever we're pointing out other people's sins, I feel like it makes us feel better for hours. Oh, yeah. That's so true. And... You know, I feel like there, we need to learn how to humble ourselves and say, hey, you know, I've messed up, you know, I've messed up and I can help you get out of the situation you're in or I can help you um, understand the situation that you're going through or whatever. Um, but when we love you through it. Yeah, and love you through it. But when we don't have that humility, we're just throwing stones at people and not even accepting the things that we've done and I think that's why a lot of people leave the church is because you have pastors and you have leaders telling people how to live out their lives but they're not either showing people how to live their lives or two they're hiding you know their secrets yeah and I think that's a big big thing and you actually got to where I was kind of going to end up is like I don't know if people realize how many people are scared to death of the church. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think people realize how many people are terrified to darken the doors of a church because of the attitude or the the mentality that has been pushed on them. And they're just terrified. And they're so scared because they've been hurt more in the church than they ever were about, uh, were hurt in the world. And the truth is, The world is so much more accepting of people. And, you know, we talk about, well, come as you are, come broken, come hurting. But we don't mean it. it. (laughs) We don't mean it. We don't actually accept those people. We don't love those people where they're at. We try to mold them to this false perfectionist. Yeah. I don't know. Excellence. Excellence, I guess. But, like, you know, we try to mold and shape them into something that they weren't designed to be. 
Yeah, and the truth is when they come in the doors, how much time are we spending loving on them versus gossiping about them? Trying to correct them. <laughs> you know, we see their lifestyle, and the first thing we think of is how terrible of a person they are, not uh, necessarily how broken they are, or how much love that they need, or accepting them for who they are and allowing Christ to do the work and just doing our part of showing his compassion and love. You know, when did we start playing the, the, the role of Jesus in someone else's life? And that ties so directly into how we act on Facebook because we throw up these bold statements, but it's completely unproductive and closed-minded. And I think a lot of times people are just like, well, I'm not going to be part of this offended generation, this generation of people who are always offended. Yeah, there's so many people who just get their knickers in a wad and they're just super offended at everything. That's fine. That's that's whatever. Like, yeah, some people need to grow thicker skin. Okay, sure. But that's not what this is. This isn't just offense. This is spiritual offense. This is the fact of uh, you are saying something so hurtful, so damning that it's pushing someone People away. feel like they're being attacked. Yeah, and not just attacked on like their personality or on a personal level. They're being attacked for who they feel they are at the deepest core. Their relationship, uh, their spiritual relationship is the deepest part of someone's relationship. You know, the deepest part of them, their spiritual side, whenever you feel like that's being attacked, then you feel like you as a person are broken and, and worthless and you feel like you have no shame. And I think a lot of times Christians enjoy making people feel that way because broken things are easy to sweep aside and make new. You just build right on top of, you know, you can you can hide the broken mess underneath the soil where you build this new this new structure, but the truth is the old broken pieces are still there. You know, it's still there. Well, and sometimes I feel like not even leaders in the church, but just in general Christians, I feel like we forget that, you know, our job is not to judge people, is not yep. to even, quote, fix people. Yep. Our job is to love people and God will handle the rest of that. But yep. I think sometimes we get that mixed up. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we act as if God will love them you know, regardless, but we're going to fix them. We're going to change them. And that's not our job. Yeah. Our pastors and Christians, you know, have their job is to guide people. Yeah, counsel. And to... mentor people, love people. That is your job. But as a Christian, your job is not to fix somebody. It's not to judge somebody. It's not even to hate somebody for believing differently or looking differently or what have you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's your job to walk with them through the journey. It's Instead of uh, looking at them and telling them how they need to put the fire out that's burning on them, you know, the the pain, whatever, instead of telling someone, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this, it's to go down with them and pull them out of the mud to sweep off the dirt. It's to walk with them through the fire, through the valley of the shadow of death, not just uh, give them instructions. If they're lost it's your job to go and walk with them back, not just yell at them the instructions from afar because that doesn't help anyone, especially them and especially you. And there are people, genuine, honest, awesome, cool people, they're looking for something. And if you are out there waving a flag that's supposed to represent love, but you're waving it in hate. They're not looking for that. No, they're going to turn and run. And who are they going to run toward? Here's the thing we need to understand is 
our hatred is turning people away. Our closed-mindedness, our lack of compassion and empathy is turning people away. And if someone's running away from Christ, just take a minute by yourself and think, where are they running to then? What's the opposite of toward Christ? Uh, I shared something on Facebook in light of all of this. I didn't write it, and this is not quoting it word for word, but it's basically a man and his wife go to church in the middle of prayer. Was it prayer, worship, prayer. something like that? The man's cell phone uh, rings because he forgot to put it on silent. The pastor then made a joke about it, and no. I've actually heard that in person. But and the pastor, prayer team had like yeah, then or it said the people around him that were praying uh, kind of snarled mm-hmm. as they heard his phone go off. His wife scolded him on the way home that night. He went to a bar. And in his still worked up nervousness, because this is like his first time back at church in a long time, uh, he was at the bar that night. He accidentally spills his drink. The waiter apologizes on his behalf, walks over, grabs a rag, cleans it up for him. The bartender pours him another drink for free. The owner comes over and she gives him a hug and says it's okay and tells him we all make mistakes. Where do you think he's going to end back up? You well, and it said, like, he hasn't left the bar since. Yeah, he has, he's gone back to that bar every night, every Sunday since, you know. Think about that. Think about that. It's just, it's so hurtful to see people turning and running. But can you blame them? Can you blame them whenever we're so quick to completely judge someone else? We're, we are willing to make blanket statements like all Democrats are not Christians or all women who have had an abortion are worthless sinners. Like we make these huge blanket statements. Of course, we're all sinners. We've all done dumb things. There's a lot of things that are sinful. You know what else is sinful? Being callous and angry towards someone else. Resentment and bitterness in your heart, harboring ill feelings towards your fellow man is also sinful. And the thing is, most people know what is sinful. It's an innate feeling programmed into us to know right from wrong. And so if you're having to yell at someone that they're sinning, they probably already know. And then you should probably look at yourself and realize what feelings you're having because you're probably right there with them. But your signs, your banners, your Facebook posts, your uh, argumentative states, whether you're on Republican or Democrat, black, white, whatever your ethnicity, your gender, all these things, it's so easy to get caught up in hate. But just remember that hate and love are both very passionate emotions, and you can transfer one to the other so quickly, which is scary for those of us who have been caught up in something we feel passionate about, we feel a love toward, and it comes off expressed as hate toward those who are on the other side. But that's also a, a, a hopeful thing, realizing that we can express love from what used to be hate because we can transfer that emotion into something else because the passion is there. And guys, we've got to be careful because there are people, just because you're in a church and everything looks okay to those around you and everyone has on their face and you're used to seeing everyone a certain way, just because you're in that environment, don't allow that um, small little bubble, your little safety bubble, 
fool you about the rest of the world. Because when you get outside of it, there's a lot of hurt people. You may not see it because they're probably not even going to talk to you because, I mean, I've been in that situation. Like, I've been that person where why would they come talk to me? He's one of them. But that's just not... uh, that's just not all there is. It's just that little bubble of church. There's so many more uh, people outside those walls than in, and we let those walls divide us from them instead of letting it be a uh, expression of Christ. Well, and we also talk about how there's freedom in Christ, but a lot of times our actions do do the complete opposite. Instead of showing people the freedom that Christ gives you, we inevitably keep people bound in their quote sin in their um issues that they're facing with we don't when we're judging people and hating them and condemning them and rejecting them where they are currently at we're not allowing them to walk in that freedom yeah and i think we can kind of wrap it up with this if you're putting your political party above christ if you're putting your Uh, personal passions above Christ, then you have made an idol of those things. I'm going to use myself as an example. I am basically a teetotaler. If you don't know what that is, I don't drink. And for the longest, I thought the outlawing of alcohol, I used to be this, I guess I'm not as much anymore. The outlawing of alcohol would have been a fantastic thing because of what I have been through with it in my life and what I've experienced. There came a point where even my friends were scared to tell me that they would have a glass of wine for dinner or a glass of champagne for New Year because they were scared of the judgment I was going to pass off. The thing is, I had cloaked my hurt uh, from alcohol in my faith of how the Bible says this and the Bible says that, ignoring other parts and summing it all up into my hatred and thinking that I was uh, righteous, but in reality I was self-righteous, and I made an idol out of alcohol, and I never drank. I made an idol out of alcohol, and I didn't even suffer from alcoholism. I didn't drink uh, a drop knowingly, you know, understandingly in my life. And because of my hurt, I was still bowing to the very same idol that my own mother did when she was drinking. And we both suffered from alcoholism. Hers was just the overconsumption and mine was the hatred of it. Let that sink in for a second. Our hatred of something makes an idol. If you hate... uh, the people, people who, who have had abortions or who are thinking about having an abortion as much um, as you don't even like to admit this, you're bowing down to the idol of abortion just as much as the woman who goes out and gets them free will and does not care. If you hate liberals or conservatives so much, you are bowing down to that hatred as an idol. And if that is taking uh, place over Christ in your heart, guys, seriously think about that.
if you hate the idea of sin so much that it makes you hate the sinner, then you are just as guilty of bowing to that sin as they are. And it all comes back down to love. People want to be accepted. People want to feel a connection. And they want to know that you care. But they're scared to death of Christians. Because so often, we use that Bible to backhand people to roll it up and smack them. More so than we do use those words to kindle a fire in them. Guys, hop over to TheRecklessPursuit.com if you want to send us a voicemail, drop us an email, say hi. You can find all of our social media links below. And of course, our Facebook community. Details for that are below as well. If you enjoy this episode, maybe you're just now getting into this. Thanks for stopping by. And if you're a long-time listener and you haven't done so so far, please go leave us an honest review. We want to hear what you have to say. And then go over there and find that Facebook community so we can keep the conversation going. And as always, be brave, be bold, and be reckless. We'll talk soon. The camera? Where is my head? You got a smiling face on your sandwich. <laughs>